evidence and answers. Medical studies reveal that in the last decade, suicide, the sense of hopelessness, depression, and drug use has nearly doubled among our youth. What are the factors contributing to this crisis? How should followers of Christ respond? And how can the church reach those who are hurting? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat and his guest, Dr. Randy Manley, pastor of Molokai Baptist Church, began a discussion about the mental health crisis. Remember, if you missed any part of this broadcast, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and look up Mental Health Crisis. You can download it or listen online. Now, let's conclude this informative interview. When it comes to things like media and, you know, the internet, I think we approach it with the same type of mentality. Look, this isn't necessarily bad. In fact, there's a lot of good things, but too much of this is going to be harmful, especially for their little minds that haven't developed yet, and even for teens that aren't at the place yet where they can reason through things the way that they need to. And so we're going to put a limit on this. If you're listening to this and you're a parent, I would urge you, if you don't have some kind of blocks or different things on your kids' phones that monitor what they're doing and where they're at, Man, it's just like setting them loose in a very dangerous, dangerous world without any kind of protection. And that's our responsibility as parents is to, is to protect our children from these things. And again, I was talking to a friend the other day. I thought this was great. He has uh, kids that range from seven all the way up to 16. And he said, you know, all three of my kids have cell phones. And they know when they got the phone, they know it's not their phone. It's mom and dad's phone. They just have a chance to use it. So that means that we can pick it up at any time and look and see what's on there. I thought that was great. It's a great way to approach it. Yeah, you know, we did a show. I think it's entitled Technology and the Fate of Human Destiny. Can't remember Mm -hmm. who, who my guest was on that show. But one of the statements he made is the more technologically advanced we're getting, the less human we're becoming. Yeah. For example, yeah. when we communicate, well, back in the day, you talk to one another, whether it's on the phone or face-to-face. And if it was really serious, it's face-to-face. Yes. Here, it's texting, texting. Yeah. And we're not meant to communicate that way. It's really hard to develop relationship that way. That's right. That's right. And I may step on a few toes here, but, you know, when it came to church, it was unthinkable that you would stay home and watch it on TV. I mean, that's something you did if you were sick mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Otherwise, you wanted to be at church. You wanted to be there in community and worship with people and be there face to face. And, you know, since COVID, I've heard statistics as high as 50% of Christians haven't come back to church and that they're doing it virtually. And I've come to the conclusion, I think it's almost impossible to build a healthy relational community through Zoom. No, absolutely. And you know, Pat, I don't want to deviate too much here, but you kind of went down that road and that you kind of just hit a very soft spot in my heart. One of the things that COVID brought out with this whole thing, which does deal with building relationships, is that there has been a soft teaching in the church on what the church is. 
And I think what happened is a lot of people equated church. I go to church to hear a sermon. I hear a guy speak for 30 or 45 minutes on a Sunday morning. That's church. Well, if that's our mentality of church, then yes, I can go online on a Sunday. I don't have to get up and I don't have to get dressed and I don't have to spend you know, an extra couple of hours that I could be doing something else. I could watch this sermon on YouTube, 45 minutes, I'm done, I'm sitting in casual clothes or whatever it is, and I'm good to go, and and I'm still doing quote-unquote church. And we've lost the whole reality that church is not one guy preaching, it's not a building, it's people, and it's relationships, and it's face-to-face, and it's it's building those things and growing together, bearing each other's burdens and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice and those types of things. And so when we take that out of the equation, yeah, we're going to struggle with building relationships. And we're telling our kids in those types of situations too, that, hey, you don't need all of this. Yeah, go ahead. Continue to build this alternate reality that you just mentioned a minute ago. In fact, it's interesting that we hear a lot about the concerns about artificial intelligence, right? I don't hear a whole lot being said about artificial identity. And we're building these artificial identities because we're not building relationships face-to-face, person-to-person. Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting. When I was growing up, mom couldn't keep me in the house. I want to go out there and ride my bike with my friends and play football and baseball and do whatever. Yeah. And a lot of parents are struggling because it's the opposite. Johnny won't go out of the house or Jane would rather stay in their room and be on their cell phone and social media or YouTube or whatever. And back in the day, that was unthinkable. You know, kids were always outside playing with their friends and everything. Uh, kind of thing, building those social relationships, getting into fights and learning how to figure it out and resolve all that. And I'm seeing, seems to be the opposite. Kids rather stay home in the room on YouTube. In fact, they'd rather communicate text rather than face to face. You know, I I mean, I've had situations where guys and girls would text each other all night long. And then, but when they get to school, they don't say a word to each other. Yeah. I think that's the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think with all of that, Pat, really with that, you know, kind of bringing that all full circle, that's not the thing that's contributing to the, the mental health crisis among our youth, but it's certainly some of what is doing that. We take all of these kind of situations and we mix them in the pot and it doesn't come up with a very palatable concoction. It's been very detrimental. Yeah. To our youth. Yeah. And I think also another one that you hit on, you know, identity confusion. And you stated if we take God out of the equation, we take biblical truth out of the equation. You know, the Bible says we're created in the image of God. We are designed by our creator to be spiritual, to be relational, as well as physical, mental, emotional beings. I mean, you take that out and really, who are we along with gender confusion and all of that? Well, I think that's tremendously stressful for young people who are trying to understand and build their identity and understand who they are and what their mission and purpose of, of life is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have not done our kids any favors by dealing with situations in the family the way that we have, 
again, the breakdown of family, all the research demonstrates that a two-parent, specifically a mom and a dad in the home, is healthy and helpful to the development of the child. And then when you add on top of that, the interaction, the specific intentional interaction of dad and mom with their children is tremendously beneficial toward the health of the children in that home. You know, and then talk about stability and identity. All of those things contribute well, and and we have not done a good job in our society with any of that. And so this is we're bearing the fruit of many years of downplaying and even uh, contributing to the destruction of different things. Yeah, and this is where I believe not only God's truth, but God's people, the community of believers and disciples in Christ, is more relevant than ever. So, Randy, you know, how should followers of Christ respond? Well, Pat, I think the first thing is we've got to be careful when we talk about mental health crisis, emotional realities with people, that we, we're not looking at these folks as less than. These are very real issues. You know, just as if they had high blood pressure or some other kind of physical ailment, these are illnesses, these are realities that they're facing. And so we need to look at that, not looking down at individuals, but with compassion. Like Jesus looked at the folks that he walked around in his day, in his society, with compassion, with love. And so our first, again, motivation, our heart needs to be geared toward loving folks that are in these situations. And then we've got to remember that many times, again, what we're dealing with, if we boil it all down, is a loss of meaning, purpose, and of hope. And our job as followers of Christ is to point people to that meaning, purpose, and hope. And that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, and one of the great things about being a part of a community of believers in Christ, I believe that's how we are designed. We are relational beings. We long for relationship and community. And God, God is a trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. And it says, First John says, God is love. Well, you can't yeah. have love without community. Mm-hmm. And so we're created in the image of God. And so we long for that, a place that is safe where we can be loved unconditionally. So not only can we learn the great truths, the great eternal truths from God's word, but we're in a community where we experience what we all long for, which I think is love in the context of relationship and community. Absolutely, yeah. And so much of what's going on in our world today is pushing people away from that. Even the trend, you know, you talked about the folks dropping out of the church since COVID. You know, even that trend right there is, you know, it's pushing people away from what God intended us to have. Always is going to be dangerous to the well-being of people and their thriving. Yeah, and so the age group, I think we're talking about where the mental health crisis, some of the most alarming is with the young people. Tell me some things that your church is doing to address these issues. One of the things that, you know, has always been 
very important to us as a church is reaching our kids. And we've tried to have different ministries and things to our, our kids. But even since COVID, once you can't do certain things anymore, and all of a sudden you get to do them again, it kind of gives you just a fresh vision. And we've gotten just renewed vision for our kids. We know so many of them were hurt through the several years of COVID lockdowns and not being able to go to school and those types of things. So we've ramped up our ministry to our youth and are really trying to reach our kids right now. And we are fortunate to have several people involved in mental health in our church body. And so they are involved in, of course, their regular practice, but also just being involved in our church family and sharing different things with us that can help in those ways. And we're trying to really stress the reality of what the church is supposed to be that we are supposed to be these relational people, which means we need to get into each other's lives and share our hurts and our burdens. You know, we just recently had one of our young couples. She had a premature birth of a little one, and uh, the baby passed away. The baby died. And, you know, it was devastating for this young couple. First pregnancy, and, you know, they had waited seven years. And, you know, they're very just loving people, and it rocked their world, right? But as a result of all of that tragedy, our church family was able to wrap their arms around them and love them and nurture them right where they were. There's so many folks, Pat, in that context that don't have that. And it's devastating to them. So we try to encourage that and really stress, hey, this is what the church is about. It's not just a guy preaching on Sunday morning. It's about us being a family. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point. You know, I looked at a few churches here that are struggling, and they asked me, you know, what do you think's going on? And I tell them, I said, you got no community here. I mean, since you guys discovered Zoom, all the staff work at home. There's nobody at church, mm-hmm. man, you know? And then when you guys have staff meeting, it's all on Zoom. And mm-hmm. then you come to church, and as soon as you're done, you know, people leave, and I just sense that sense, even the staff, you know, as soon as church's done, woo, they're gone. And I said, I just don't sense that sense of community. It needs to start with the staff, you know, the pastors and the administration uh, of the church, the secretaries and everything. When people see that great community of believers and interacting with each other face to face. But I said, I don't see that here. Every time I'm coming to church, there's nobody here because everybody's working at home and, every, you know, all the meetings are from Zoom. I think it needs to start with the staff. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's got to be modeled, right? It's just like the home. If you're telling your kid not to do something and then you're doing it or vice versa, that's not going to make much of an impression on your children. And the same is in the church. If your leadership isn't demonstrating that community is important, then why should anybody else think it's important? We don't see it in you. It's got to be fostered. And look, Pat, I'm not saying that this is going to solve every aspect of, you know, the mental health crisis going on Mm -hmm. in our our country. That certainly is not the case. But I think on, on a local level, we can do a lot to help in this area. And I think encouraging and promoting family and promoting church family is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. And I don't want to end on a bad example, so I'm going to give a good example. There's a youth pastor here, and I was telling him, 
how are you reaching youth? And he said, well, we're no longer doing these big events kind of mm. things. He mm-hmm. says, youth, talked about the mental health crisis and all, he says, youth long for relationships That's and right. stuff. And so, so one of the things we do is, you know, we opened up our church after school and we just, you know, I just approach young people and say, hey, do some after-school work here. You know, we got a coffee machine and all that. <laughs> and I yeah, said, yeah. oh, you don't have a whole Starbucks coffee? He goes, no, you got a simple <laughs> machine over here. And he said, a lot of kids are coming because they just want to hang out. And there's yeah. cool adults there. And he says, wow, three, four months of them just coming here doing their homework and hanging out, they start opening up to us. And we can yeah. start sharing the gospel of Christ. But he was just saying starbucks shutting down and all kinds of things and when he just opened up his church and invited kids for relationship he saw this whole thing just reaching young people for christ and so there's a positive example there of you know how christians and christian ministries and churches are addressing this issue and being very fruitful in reaching people for christ that's excellent yeah and i think the lord will give us some of those ideas and direction as we just go perform and say, God, what can I do? How can I help? Yeah. And it may be that simple, opening yeah. up a safe place and saying, look, just come hang out. I believe that that youth pastor is right. Kids are longing for and craving relationship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just about giving them a place where that can happen. Yeah. And so we go from church now to family. What are some practical applications or practical things that Christian family can do? Again, I'm kind of a simple guy, but (laughs) I'm going to give you a simple solution that's actually the research demonstrates the truth of it, and that's eat meals with your kids, with your family. Research demonstrates that a family that has intentional mealtime together two to three evenings a week that children function better in school, in relationships. You know, that's kind of an unheard thing in today's world, Pat, not just in a busy place like Honolulu, but even on Molokai. I'm so surprised at how many families don't eat together. But there is a nurturing that takes place around food. I mean, just think about how many events that we like to do around eating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and why is that? Because there's relationship that takes place around the meal table. And so research demonstrates that as a family does just that simple of a thing, there's conversation that's going on. There's some kind of a cohesion, hey, that we're a family together and something that simple. But then to take this the next step as a parent, be involved in your kids' lives. That doesn't mean that you're a hovering helicopter parent. That means that you're sincerely interested in what they're doing and you're involved. Again, I'm shocked, you know, from a school standpoint, you look at, for instance, parent-teacher conferences and teachers I talk to on a regular basis, hey, how, what's the percentage of the parents that show up for those types of conferences with the teachers? It's very minimal. And so what that demonstrates is, hey, look, that's the school's job, whatever's going on, you know, just as long as my kid passes, don't be that kind of parent. Be involved. Know what's going on in the classroom. As much as possible, be involved in their after-school activities, involvement, talking, communicating, 
all of those things are huge. Relationship. Josh McDowell used to say that rules without relationship equal rebellion. Yeah. And it's so true. You may be the strictest parent in the world. If you don't have a relationship with your kid, you're breeding rebellion. It may not happen right away, but it's going to come. And so I would encourage parents, do the simple things to build that relationship with your kids. Yeah, not only eat together, but, you know, once in a while, invite your kids' uh, friends over. Yeah, and get yeah. to know them as well. And, and that's a tremendous outreach. I mean, these young teens may not have family meals, yeah. like you said. And for them to come over and eat with you, I mean, that, that'd, be some, that'd be a great, special time for them as well. Yeah, and you know, Pat, that's a great thing. Glad you brought that up. That was our policy in our home. Hey, bring your friends. Bring what We want your friends to be here. We created a welcoming, safe place. And some of those kids that my kids invited over, you know, when they were junior high and high school, they are very dear to, and near to us even to this day. Yeah. And so it is. It's a great way to help your kids see you as thinking their lives and their friends are important. And it's also a great way to invest in other kids that may not have that going on in their home. Yeah, and like you said, you know, be involved in their schoolwork and what's going on. You know, I had a great story of a parent. Uh, his son came home, and I think the book he had that they were required to read was uh, out of Huxley's book. Mm. And he, he just mm. thought that was interesting. And so not to be nosy or anything, he has a son, hey, can I read that book too? And so, you know, they kind of ran. They had great discussions together mm. over Huxley's book. And then a kid brought over another book home, and he said, hey, that looks interesting. I want to read that. And he read it with his son. They had great discussions. And then That's great. about the fourth time, the son brought home his book, and he, he said, hey, Dad, look what I'm reading now. You interested? You know, and so now he's inviting wow. his dad to come in. And yeah. that's how his dad kind of knew what his son was learning and interacting with his dad. So, as you said, yeah, be involved in their life, not, like you said, imposing as a helicopter parent. But because, yeah, you're generally interested in their welfare and what, and what they're doing and, and you care about them. They sense that they most the vast, vast majority are going to respond very positively. Yeah. And I would encourage folks too, you know, that if you're involved in your church, which I hope you are, look for kids that you can reach out to. Yeah. That maybe maybe you're a man and they don't have a dad in their home. You know, we have some girls uh, in our church that were adopted several years ago, and it was a single woman who adopted them. And so, you know, we have guys that go out of their way to be a father figure to them and those types of things. And, and look for those opportunities because it's a it's a great chance that you can put into them something that they're not getting. Yeah, putting the words of Christ into action. That's what Amen. disciples do. Yeah, you've been listening to our interview with Dr. Randy Manley, pastor of Molokai Baptist Church on the island of Molokai. If you're out there vacationing or hunting, I heard great hunting out there, yeah, and you're there on a Sunday, that's the church you want to go to. Uh, Randy, as we close, just tell us a little bit about Molokai Baptist Church. Well, if you look at a map of Molokai, we're kind of a longer, narrow island. And if you kind of put your finger right in the middle, you'll come pretty close to where our church is at. We are in Ho'olehua, which is right in the middle of Hawaiian Homestead here on Molokai. 
and we have just a number of things that we're doing to try to reach our island for Jesus. And like you said, Pat, if you're on Molokai, we'd love to meet you and love to have you come worship with us. Yes, you've been listening to our interview with Dr. Randy Manley of Molokai Baptist Church. So, Randy, thanks for being a guest once again here on Evidence and Answers. Thanks, Pat. Great being with you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or schedule an apologetics conference at your location, give him a call. In Hawaii, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio free to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharak. Oh,